Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoyed listening to the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. We'll be looking at Revelation chapter 3. We'll start in verse 14 tonight. Now, um, Laodicea, this church that Jesus is speaking to, um, they were a wealthy church. They, they, um, they were known for us as a center of banking. Um, they were a crossroads as well. They, they were, that's one of the reasons why this city ended up in the place where it was. It wasn't because of the water supply or anything like that, but it was because they were a crossroads. Uh, merchants would travel through coming in different directions, and uh, that's how they became established. They became uh, a center of, of banking. Um, and uh, Laodicea also was... was um, they were a place that was known as being fashionable. In this place, they had um, breed, breeded some uh, a type of sheep with this special black wool, and because of that, they were known for their fashion. Um, and then also, they had eye doctors there in Laodicea. If you had an eye problem, you might want to come to, to Laodicea. They were, they were known for uh, their ophthalmologists. Uh, in that place. Um, but one of the things that's most unique about uh, Laodicea, like I said, they, they didn't choose the place to, to put this city because of the water supply. No, their water supply was actually not good. Their water su- supply was tainted with um, calcium carbonate, and it would cause a person probably to, to uh, vomit. <laughs> Instead, uh, Hierapolis was six miles away. Uh, it had good waters, and it was known for their hot waters. Uh, uh, it, it would be a hot spring, uh, probably reached about the temperature of 95 degrees, the temperature you might find in, in, a, in a hot tub. And Colossae, also nearby, they would have these cold, refreshing waters. Um, but Laodicea, they had their waters brought in by an aqueduct. A stone aqueduct which the Romans built. Um, So these are all the things about Laodicea. All of those things pointing out that they were rich. They were wealthy. They were self-sufficient. And that's exactly what their problem was. Uh, Jesus identifies uh, their problem as the fact that they thought they were rich. They thought they had it all, and they didn't need to rely on Jesus. But Jesus tells them, even though you think you're rich, you think you have it all, you are poor, blind, and naked. Jesus counsels this church in Laodicea to buy from Him gold. Though He calls them poor and needy, He tells them to buy from Him gold. Jesus is the one who calls us to come. Everyone who is thirsty, come to the waters. Come and drink. Buy wine and milk without money, without cost. As He says in Isaiah 55, as the Lord says. And here Jesus calls us to come, though we are poor, come and buy gold from Him. 
Let's read our text, beginning in verse 14. And to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, The words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works. You are neither hot nor cold. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you may be rich, and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen, and salve to anoint your eyes that you may see. Those whom I love... I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as also as I also conquered and sat on sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We do ask you to speak, O Lord, to us. You have already spoken. Lord, give us ears to hear. May your sheep hear your voice. Father, we pray that you would help us to hear what your Spirit is saying to the churches. Lord, be with me. I need your strength, your grace to preach your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Just as Jesus begins each of the other letters, he addresses them first by telling who he is. He says here, And to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, The words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. The words here, Amen. Uh, Amen. We we say that when we say a prayer, right? When we we pray, dear God, help me with um, this or that. Uh, I need your help. Um, Thank you for our food. All of those things. We always end our prayer with Amen. But what does that mean? Uh, I, I know I grew up hearing it means, you know, I believe it. Or it's just saying, I agree with that prayer. But amen, it comes from the, the Hebrew word, which means faithful or, or belief. It has to do with believing. And it has the idea of, of being firm and established. So I think whenever he says, I am the amen, the faithful and the true witness, he is basically saying the same idea in both Hebrew and Greek. He's saying he is faithful, he is firm, he is established, he is the faithful and true witness. Within all of that, what we're supposed to see is Jesus is reliable. He is faithful. He will never let us down. 
We can believe what He says. We can trust our souls to Him because He is faithful and true. What are we trusting in? What do you trust in? Do you trust in Jesus, the faithful and true witness? Do you trust in what He has said? Or do you trust in your bank account? Do you trust in your family and your friends to get you by? Do you trust in anything other than Jesus? What is the ultimate source that meets all of your needs? Jesus here is the faithful and true witness that will never let us down. We'll be let down by money. We'll be let down by our family. We'll be let down by our friends. But Jesus is faithful and true. Jesus also calls Himself the beginning of God's creation. We can look back in chapter 1. And in verse 8, I'm sorry, yeah, verse, chapter 1 and verse 8, he, God the Father says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord, Lord I, uh, who was and who is and who is to come, the Almighty. And then in chapter 2 and verse 8, Jesus says, and to the angel of the church in Smyrna, the words of the first and the last who died and came back to life. Here, the Father called Himself the Alpha and the Omega, which means the first and the last. Jesus then calls Himself the first and the last who died and came back to life. There's no doubting who that was. Is talking about Jesus. And then, He calls Himself the beginning of God's creation. It kind of harkens back to Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And also to John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. The Word, in, in verse 14 of John chapter 1, it says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. It's talking about Jesus. He is God. He is God. Jesus here calls Himself the beginning of God's creation. He wasn't just a created being. He wasn't just the first or the highest of God's creation. He is God. Because of that, He is powerful. He is able to meet all of our needs. He is faithful and He is true. In the beginning in verse 15, he addresses, he rebukes the church in Laodicea. In all these other letters, we see him say something good about the church first. Uh, I know your works, your, your you know, perseverance, your patience, all of these things. He talks about these good things in these churches. But here, Jesus, he goes straight for what's negative. He says, I know your works. You are neither hot nor cold. Would that you were either hot or either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Jesus talks about this church 
as though it's water, similar to the waters that they were familiar with. They were not hot like the waters of Hierapolis, these hot springs. And they were not cold like the cold, refreshing waters of Colossae. You know, we, we think of hot water. We might drink hot water to warm ourselves up. We'll put a little bit of bean and brew something, like coffee or tea. We'll drink that warm or hot chocolate and warm ourselves up during the wintertime when it's cold. And that's useful. It's hot. We like to take our baths or showers in hot water. And in cold water, it's cool and refreshing. We can, we can drink it and we can feel better when we're out working in the hot summer heat. But Jesus says this lukewarm water makes him sick. Makes him want to vomit. Jesus says because that church, that church in Laodicea was neither hot nor cold, He's going to spew them out of His mouth because they're lukewarm. What does it mean that they're lukewarm? Some have thought that uh, this is talking about Jesus wants us to either be really, really, really passionate and on fire for Him, and that would be hot, or totally in opposition to Him, because you know, just being lukewarm, that just won't cut it. He'd rather somebody be in totally in opposition to Him and cold than for them just to be lukewarm and compromising. I don't think that's what He's talking about here. That's the way some people have understood this. But why would Jesus rather have the church cold and opposing him than lukewarm? No, the, the cold, the, the lukewarmness, I think, refers to the fact that they are not trusting in him, but they're trusting in their wealth. They are self-sufficient. Jesus then says to them, Verse 17, for you say. That for it connects it to what was before. Why does he saying they're lukewarm? He's saying they're work lukewarm. For you say, I am rich. I have prospered. I have need of nothing. That's what this church was saying. I'm rich. I have need of nothing. I'm prosperous. They have all they need. And you look around at the church in America today, and we've got all kinds of things, don't we? We've got better publishing and more books out there, Christian books and stuff than you've ever seen in the history of Christianity. There's more. Uh, we, we can publish many, many, many different Bibles. Um, you can go to a Christian bookstore and find all kinds of T-shirts and all kinds of, of trinkets and things with crosses and all of those things. And we are just rich, aren't we? We are so rich that we have become self-sufficient. No longer are we trusting in Christ. We're trusting that we've got enough. We've got enough capital. We've got enough in the bank. We've got enough clothes. We've got enough food. And we trust in ourselves. Jesus says, for you say, I am rich, I have prospered, I need nothing. Not realizing, they're, they're, not, they're unaware of their real condition. They think they're rich, but their real condition, Jesus says, the faithful and true one says, you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. 
Think about those things. Laodicea was a center of banking. They were monetarily rich. And yet Jesus says they are poor. They were also a place that was known for their ophthalmologists, their eye doctors, and Jesus calls them blind. Jesus says they're naked. Well, they were known for their fashion. Jesus says they're naked. Jesus points out the reality of their condition. They were lukewarm. They they had no idea of what their reality was. They thought in their own perception, we are rich, we can take care of ourselves. And Jesus tells them, you are poor, you are wretched, you are blind, and you are naked. And Jesus gives advice. This one who is faithful and true, the amen, the faithful and true witness gives advice. He gives counsel. I counsel you to buy from me gold. Not literal gold. Not something you can hold in your hands. But Jesus counsels us to buy from him the greatest treasure of all. He bids us to come to the waters. Anyone who's thirsty, come and buy wine and milk without money and without cost. He invites us to come freely. We just have to admit that we're poor. We have to admit our real condition, that we are really lost and broken. Jesus says to this church, what they need to do is stop relying on themselves, stop trusting in themselves, and trust in Him. I counsel you to buy for yourself gold refined in the fire. It's pure. What does it mean that it's refined in the fire? It's pure. It has no dross. It has no impurities within it. It's been refined. So that you may be rich and white garments that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not, may not be seen. They thought they had good clothing. They were a fashion center. They had these wool garments that were uh, probably very beautiful. And Jesus says, come buy white garments from me and clothe yourselves in them to cover the shame of your nakedness. Many of us feel shame for the things that we've done. We're all sinners. We're all broken. We've all done things we feel ashamed of. We're not going to cover our shame by going to see a psychiatrist or a psychologist. We're not going to cover our shame by being able to have enough money to take care of ourselves. The only thing that will cover our shame is when we receive white garments from Jesus. When He covers our sin. When He covers our shame. When we are clothed in the righteousness of Christ Himself. And Jesus says, And salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. These people he calls blind. They thought they see. They thought they had it all. Jesus calls them blind and he says he'll give to them salve so that they might see. He's a greater, he's the great physician. 
He's greater than any of these ophthalmologists they may have had in, in Laodicea. And then Jesus says, Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. You know, all these other letters we look at, and Jesus starts out with something positive, right? He, he tells them what, what they've done that's right before He tells them something that's wrong until you get to this letter and He jumps right in. And He does it because He loves that church. Those whom I love, I reprove. You know, every child, when they're disciplined, they feel like, well, they just don't like me. They feel like, oh, I'm so unloved because my, my father or my mother gave me a spanking or something like that. Jesus here says, those who I love, I reprove and discipline. If Jesus didn't love His church, He would just tell them, go on, do what you want, and go to hell. But Jesus says, those whom I love, I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. He's calling them to repentance. He calls us to repentance. We're a small church. Seems like we're smaller than we were a few weeks ago. <laughs> but yet, even we can fall into the temptation of being self-reliant. Feeling like, we've got this covered, Jesus. We need to be on our knees. We need to be praying. We need to realize Jesus is the only thing that will make this work. He calls us to be zealous and to repent of our self-reliance. And Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. Jesus offers us an invitation. Now, some have used this passage in the past. This is very frequently used as, a, as an evangelistic text. The idea that Jesus is knocking at the door of your heart and, and asking you to come and let Him in. That's not what it's presented as here in the text. He's talking to the church. He's talking to those who are already believers. He says, these believers have shut the door on Him. In their self-reliance, they have shut the door on Jesus. And he comes to a church and he tells them, I stand at the door and I knock. And I wait for this church to let me in. He's calling us to repentance. In, every, in any way that we're relying on ourselves, in any way we're relying on our own works, on our own goodness, on our own finances, on anything other than Him, He's calling us to renounce all of those and trust wholly in Him alone. He's calling us to repent and the way that we let Jesus in the door, instead of barring the door and keeping Him out, the way we let Him in the door is we repent. We repent of our self-reliance, of our own works. And we trust in Him alone. Jesus says, The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne. 
as I also conquered and sat down with my Father on His throne. Just like all the other letters, He gives a promise to the one who overcomes, to the one who conquers. We will one day reign with Jesus in glory. He's not just telling us, do this because it's the right thing. He's telling us we have a reward that's waiting for us. If we overcome, if we repent like Jesus is calling us to, we will one day sit with Him on His throne and reign with Him. And He closes. We close this section of these letters to the seven churches with what we have heard seven times. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Jesus is the one who had been dressed in a long white garment down to His feet with that white hair pointing to how He was ancient. He was the very ancient of days. The one who the Son of Man was brought before in Daniel chapter 7. Jesus is the one who had eyes like flames of fire. Nothing can be hidden from His gaze. He looks and He sees everything that's going on in this church. He sees everything that's going on in our lives. He sees everything that we try to hide from everyone else. Jesus is the one with eyes of flames of fire and He sees everything. Jesus is the one who holds the star, seven stars in His hands and He walks among the lampstands. He is sovereign over His church and He walks with us. And Jesus is the one who is the Alpha and Omega. He is the beginning of all creation. He is the faithful and the true one. Let us hear what He says. Let us not forsake our first love. Let us not be lukewarm. Let us not be self-sufficient. Let us not compromise with the world. Let us not be silent. Let us be zealous. And let us turn from our sin and self-reliance. For He has promised good things. For us, let us hear what His Spirit says to us. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.wordpress.com or you can like us on Facebook. Facebook.